what the first lady says. Thank y'all for joining us today. It is our ninth anniversary. Uh, praise God for his faithfulness to the Village Church and all the things that has happened these past nine years, the good and the bad. Also, if you're tuning in for Facebook, thank you. The service didn't go live on our Facebook page. It went live on my personal page. So if you can share it from there, uh, folks can join us. Uh, the, t- the 2020 presidential election is hours away. It's almost here. And how do you feel? How do you feel? Anxious? Fearful? Grateful? Stressful? Clueless? Indifferent? Prideful? Numb? Angry? Hopeful? What, what are y'all thinking? My candidate is going to win this thing. My political party has this election on lock. I'm not thinking about anything because my vote really doesn't matter. My political party's platform is biblical. The other platform isn't. I'm casting my vote for Jesus on Wednesday. I hope people will act like they got home training. The people on the left are deceived. The people on the right are deceived. What are your prayers right now? God bless America. God, please let Trump win. God, please let Biden win. Lord, protect all the voters. Lord, please let this election day be peaceful without chaos, without voter suppression, without voter fraud. Again, what are your prayers, saints? And what about the resources in the January Election Survivor Kit 2020? I've given y'all three resources so far. Are you putting those resources into practice? The first resource is spiritual swagger, which allows believers to accept all aspects of God's truth, even those aspects that challenges your worldview and your politics. Because if you're submitting and trying to submit to God's word, it's going to challenge you. And if you say you got spiritual swag, then you're going to let the word do what it needs to do in your heart. The second resource is knowing and accepting that Christians don't live on the same side of the Jordan. But we're all part of the same covenant family because of Jesus Christ. And if that is not enough, then nothing else is going to do it. Nothing else is going to unify us. The, all the other things that we think make us one are just become idols. The third resource is knowing and accepting that Jesus alone is, is the true source of Christian unity. And when we believe that we should function accordingly. And there's a fourth resource. I'm not done. I got, I got one more sermon in this Joshua 22. And so we got a fourth resource in this survival kit that we're going to address today. And like the third and the second and third resource, the fourth one in this general election survival kit 2020 also comes from Joshua 22. It is seen in what takes place in verses 13 through 20. Verses 13 through 20. Before I continue... Please pray with and for me. 
Holy Spirit, I ask that you, my first prayer is that uh, you keep me cool because the sweat is starting to drop. And I pray that you will take this word and apply it to my heart and apply it to the hearts of Christ's people. That everyone here and everyone tuning in will receive what they need to receive today. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Joshua 22 is a historical story. It's real. It happened. It's a story that I've titled The Other Side of the Jordan. And, and please remember that when we started this, the story began high. It started out with covenant unity and, and beautiful community on display between the, the eastern and western tribes of Israel who live on opposite sides of the Jordan. But last week we, we saw the story take a, a turn. We, we saw the story uh, go low because civil war between those tribes was on the verge of happening. Covenant unity and, and, co and beautiful community that has quickly turned into to chaos and, and ugliness. Do y'all remember why? Do you remember why? It's because both sides of the Jordan made assumptions about the other side. And we all know what you make of yourself when you make assumptions. As one author says, Making the wrong assumption causes pain and suffering for everyone. Meditate and reflect on that quote. Making wrong assumptions can easily cause pain and suffering for the whole congregation of Israel who, like us, live on different sides of the Jordan. Different sides. Or the Jordan. Oxford Dictionary defines mob mentality as the tendency for people's behavior or beliefs to conform to the group to which they belong. The, the phrase describes how people can, can be influenced by their peers and to adopt certain behaviors that are largely based on emotions. Researchers at Leeds University find Lee's University found that it only takes 5% of a crowd to influence the other 95%. Think about that. It only takes 5% of a crowd to influence the other 95% in any direction. And that direction can be good, and that direction can be bad. Mom mentality is real. It's real right now in our country. We see it then lived up before our eyes. We see it as clear as day in American politics. Do you agree? This is participation time. Do, do you agree? They got to talk to me now. I'm sitting up here sweating. Now y'all got to talk. We see it in how Christians engage politics. Mob mentality is even on display in this presidential election. Across both aisles. In an article about American politics, Justin Gibney, president of the Anne campaign, writes, Conservatives and progressives shield themselves from eternal critique. We think admitting fault and weakness, we think admitting fault weakens our case. 
But all the lack of veracity actually weakens our credibility. There's no credibility across ideological lines, and there's, there's no real discourse. Those who try to hold everyone to a higher standard are accused of a weak moderation, both sideisms, and, and not actually caring about the issues. Uh, the moment is always too urgent for due diligence or to question those within whom we share identity. If we end up being wrong, just deny it and keep moving. Those are the key components of mob mentality politics. If you're wrong, just deny it and keep moving. Likewise, saints, mob mentality is on display and it's spreading like wildfire on the west side of, of the Jordan in Joshua 22. It spreads after the western tribes learn about what the eastern tribes built on the west side of the Jordan. Do y'all remember what they built? If you were here last Sunday, what did they build? An altar, yes. This big old altar, similar to the altar of the Lord back on the west side. And so the western tribes, they assembled together at Shiloh, not to display covenant unity and beautiful community. They assembled in order to prepare for war against their brothers who live on the other side of the Jordan. You need to take that in. You need to, you need to take that in. This is a real threat. They just got into the promised land. They just finished the conquest. And now they're getting ready to turn on each other. In the land that's filled with milk and honey. Can y'all imagine the tension on the west side of the Jordan? Well, I'm about to come out of this jacket. I'm about to come out. Y'all gonna get to see my fancy suspenders. To help keep the pants up. Alright. Can y'all imagine the tension on the west side of the Jordan right now? Can, can you picture the, the, the mob mentality that is spreading? Because the western tribes gather to make war, listen, based on an assumption that the other side is in rebellion against the Lord. On an assumption. Verse 12 says, when the people of Israel heard of the altar, the whole assembly of the people of Israel gathered at Shiloh to make war against them. Civil war is going to happen unless something can redeem the situation. Again, saints, you got to see what is happening here. We have a tendency to read through the Old Testament not realizing that this stuff is true. That people are living this. War is getting ready to happen. Covenant family gets covenant family. As I said last week, east against west. And we need to feel the weight of that. That these were our brothers and sisters and they're getting ready to maybe kill one another off the assumption that one side is in rebellion. War between the tribes is knocking at the door, ready to make an entrance. Telling everyone you better back up. What do y'all think is needed? Think about that question. What can be done to prevent this pending civil war between the eastern and western tribes of Israel? The answer is the fourth resource 
in this general election survivor kit. And that resource is submitting to good leadership. It's following healthy leadership. These are amen statements, so come on. It's listening to wise leadership. The Lord God intervenes through the good and wise and the healthy leadership that's on the west side of Jordan. But how? How, how does he use the leaders on the west side to intervene? He uses them by, putting, by, by, by them putting into practice the art of de-escalation. Leadership on the west side, they work to prevent the escalation of the conflict. The leaders don't want to go to war. So they labor to, to bring calm to the tension and to free the people from their mob mentality. They're, they're working to de-escalate and not to escalate the tension on their side of the Jordan. The West Side leaders don't feed into the fears of the people. They don't play with their emotions. They don't validate their wrong assumptions. The West Side leaders, they don't, they don't lead the people into divisiveness. They don't edge them on into civil war with their brothers on the east side. Good, healthy, and wise leadership is important when there's conflict, distrust, and disunity within God's covenant family who live on different sides of the Jordan. So here's the question, saints and soon-to-be saints. What kind of leaders do you have on your side of the Jordan? Not talking about the other side. On the side that you live on, what kind of leaders do you have? I know I'm not your only pastor. You have other pastors that you listen to and follow. What kind of leaders are they? What kind of leaders are the pastors and the elders and the scholars and the deacons and the activists and the theologians and the political commentators and the famous Christians who live on your side of the Jordan? What kind of leaders are the governmental officials and politicians on your side of the Jordan? What kind of leaders are the bloggers and the podcasters and the social media influencers on your side of the Jordan? And how are those leaders on your side of the Jordan leading you during this toxic election season? Are they laboring to de-escalate your fears and tension? Or are they working overtime? to escalate the fair intention because they want you to vote a certain way. What are your leaders doing? Be careful who you allow to speak into your life. Amen. Everybody who say they Christian Christian ain't Christian Christian. <laughs> Be careful. Be careful. The leaders on the west side of Jordan in Joshua 22, they want to preserve Christian unity and beautiful community with their brothers on the east side. And so I want to believe that these leaders, they, they reminded these Western tribes that, that they have a covenant responsibility to their brothers on the east side. And if you were here for the whole series, you know that back in Numbers 32, the eastern tribes' brothers, they, 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 didn't, they, they found their inheritance in Gilead, but they didn't enjoy their inheritance until they helped their brothers on the west side secure their inheritance. And so they, they fulfilled their covenant responsibility to their brothers. And now the brothers on the west side have the same responsibility. Covenant responsibility to the brothers on the east side is them giving their brothers the benefit of the doubt. Amen. So simple, isn't it? Can we give them the benefit of the doubt? Because maybe... 
what they feel and what they see as a breach of faith and rebellion against the Lord God just might not be the case. What about y'all? Are you giving believers on the other side of the Jordan the benefit of their doubt? Or is your mind already made up about those people, about those type of Christians? Please know this message is meant to offend everybody. <laughs> on both sides of the Jordan. So no one should leave himself righteous. should leave her convicted. Leaders on the west side of the Jordan don't want to make war solely on an assumption. And so they, they plan to lead the western tribes in, in, in following the words of Deuteronomy 13, verses 12 through 14. Do you know what that, those verses say? The verses say, if you hear in one of the cities which the Lord your God is giving you to dwell, to dwell and there are certain worthless fellows have gone out among you and have drawn away the inhabitants of the city by saying, let us go and serve other gods which you have not known. Listen to this. You shall inquire, make search, and act diligently. Well, where they saying that, Alex? The Western tribes need to do their homework. You see, they're not just going to de-escalate the situation. They need to do their homework. They need to get a better understanding of what is actually going on on the east side of Jordan. they got to inquire, make search, and ask diligently. They need to make sure all their ducks are lined up in the row, crossing all their T's and dotting all their I's. They need to inquire, to search, and to ask diligently about what is actually happening on the east side of the Jordan. And guess what, saints? That information can't be obtained by talking with people who live on the same side of the Jordan as you. And that's an amen statement, because that's what we do. If all you read is what people on your side wrote about the other side, that's not a primary source, that's secondary. You got to go to the other side, talk to the horse, talk to the horse face to face. West, the West Side leaders can't just talk amongst themselves about what they assume is happening on the other side. They can't inquire and search and ask diligently from a distance. You can't do it from that side of the Jordan. So they got to go to the other side. And so do y'all. You have to go to the other side. And here's a principle for us. When it comes to believers on the other side of the Jordan, we can't simply listen to the experts, the commentators, the teachers, the leaders, the pastors, the politicians, and the theologians who live on the same side of the Jordan as we do. Do I need to repeat that? Okay, I will. When it comes to believers on the other side of the Jordan, you can't simply listen to the experts, the commentators, the teachers, the leaders, the activists, the pastors, the politicians, and the theologians who live on the same side of the Jordan as you. Because all of us are guilty of allowing our side of the Jordan to shape how we view and see believers on the other side. We make judgments on people that we even never had a conversation with. 
And we don't even know them. But we assume we know everything about them. For better or for worse, our minds are already made up about believers on the other side. They're voting for Trump. So that side must be racist. They're voting for Biden. So that side supports abortion and an ungodly platform. Believers on, on, on the other side of Jordan, they're socialists and, and cultural Marxists and, and they preach a critical race theory gospel and, and believers on, on that side of Jordan are just heartless capitalists and they don't care about black lives and all they care about is law and order. Like I said, it's meant to offend everybody. You can't simply listen to the leaders on your side of Jordan. You have to talk to your brothers and sisters on the other side. So that means we got to get off our butts, turn off Fox News and CNN, take a break from political talk radio, log out of Facebook and Twitter, and do all of that and go to the other side of Jordan to inquire, to search, and to ask diligently before we pass judgment. You see, the Western tribes need to have a coming to Yahweh meeting with their brothers and sisters on the eastern side of Jordan. They need to walk to the other side to meet with them. And they do. They, they actually send a western delegation to travel to the other side of Jordan. And this delegation represents all the western tribes. They put Deuteronomy 13 into practice. They're going to inquire and to search and to ask diligently. Look at verse 13. Then the people of Israel sent to their brothers, uh, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, with, with him ten tribes, one from the, each of the tribal families of Israel, every one of them a head of a family of the clans of Israel. They sent all their leaders over there. They sent all their leaders. They sent them to the other side. They didn't have no van, okay? They didn't have no van, couldn't call Uber. They had to walk <laughs> all that way. And why? Because they want to know what's going on. They want to know what's going on. So when the Western delegation arrived to, arrived to the other east side, they said to the brothers, Thus says the whole congregation of Israel, What is this breach of faith that, that you have committed against the Lord your God and turn away from following the Lord by building yourselves an altar this day? in rebellion against the Lord. The Western delegation, they seek an explanation for the altar. That's where those words are coming from. They want to know why. They want to know the reason. They want to know the motive. Because it does appear, listen to me, it does appear to be a breach of faith and rebellion. The altar does not look good. It doesn't. And, and remember that, and remember now, the Eastern tribe built that altar without even talking with their brothers on the other side. They built it while assuming their brothers would know their good intentions. So we underestimate the damage our good intentions can do. And for the Eastern, Eastern tribe brothers, their good intentions almost caused a civil war because their brothers did not know their good intentions. Their delegation is there. And the delegation is not offer, operating out of an assumption because if they were still assuming, we would be at war right now. See, the assumptions were put to rest back at Shiloh. Assumptions are now concerns. What do you think their concerns are? Why are they concerned? They're concerned about the covenant unity among them. 
and covenant faithfulness to Yahweh. What are the concerns of Christians in America? What are our concerns? Are we concerned about covenant unity with other Christians who live on the other side of the Jordan than us? Do we have concerns about covenant faithfulness to Jesus? Or are we just concerned about our side being right and winning? What's your concerns? Functional concerns. The Western delegation does something that I have never seen among Christians in America. And and you can go back to church history here and you won't ever see this. They remind the Eastern tribes that sin impacts the whole covenant community. It's not just isolated to, to the group or the individuals who commit the sin. The consequences will be felt by everyone on both sides of the Jordan. Two historical examples are, are given to the eastern tribes of this fact. First, there's the false worship of Baal at Peor. Look at verse, verses 17 and 18 uh, and, and, and with me. And pay close attention to the pronouns. Pronouns, just like in marriage, is important in community. The Western tribe, the Western delegation says, have we not had enough of the sin at Peor for which we have not yet been cleansed? For which there came a plague upon the congregation of the Lord that you too must turn away this day from following the Lord. If you too rebel against the Lord today, he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. Notice those pronouns. Me, us, we, whole. The second example is the sin of Achan who, who stole some of the devoted things meant from destruction from the city of Ai. Look at verse 20. The delegation says, Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, break faith in this matter in devoted things? The wrath fell upon all the congregation of Israel, and he did not perish alone for his iniquity? The Western delegation knows if the eastern tribes are in rebellion against the Lord, then the consequence is going to be felt on both sides, not just that one side. I ain't getting no amen statements for that. Because we always think it's just going to be that side that gets it. They want the West Side brothers to, to know and understand this. And what do y'all think about this as Christians in America? These Old Testament saints seem to have a better understanding of what it means to be connected with each other covenantally. Amen. Their, their covenant connection is so deep that they don't even see consequences of sin as simply individual consequences. These they see them as communal and covenantal. That sin impacts the whole covenant community on both sides of the Jordan. Did you think if suffering, if persecution ever come to America, it's just going to happen to Christians on one side of the Jordan? All of us getting it. So you need to realize who your allegiance belong to. We always assume the other side is worshiping Caesar, but really both, of us, both sides are. Both sides are. As Christians in America, we don't see our covenant connection with other Christians as being that deep because we're too individualistic and too tribal. 
to see sin and its consequences will eventually impact all of us. We, we, we can do that because we're not a persecuted church. We are a privileged small church and a privileged small church in America. And we all just need to own that. We get mad because we got to wear a mask. And we have brothers and sisters now who would be, who would be killed doing what we're doing. We make, we think discomfort is persecution and it's not. Persecution is when they, someone comes and blow up your church while you're worshiping. Or someone comes into your church and shoots you up in a um, prayer meeting in Charleston. Both sides of the Jordan have a covenantal responsibility to each other. Who are, who are we loyal to? Who are our true friends? Who are our true allies? Who are our true, who, who is part of our true family as Christians? Who do we really represent? Democrats and Republicans are down the cross for your sins. Person in the White House is down the cross for your sins. Jesus did. And he has brought you into a family where you're not the only child. He did that. All of us need to repent of our idolatry and realize that we don't really love Jesus as much as we think. Covenant responsibility to each other to graciously and lovingly hold each other accountable for our sins. That's what the Western delegation is doing. They're going over to the other side of the Jordan to, to, to hold their brothers accountable because they have a legitimate concern. They, they are addressing uh, those concerns with their brothers face to face. They, they even invite their, their brothers to go back on the other side of Jordan with them. They're not, they didn't put them on blast on social media. They didn't put them on blast in the blog posts. Because what we see right now, you have famous Christians arguing with each other over blog posts and articles. Call each other out about the way they're going to vote. It's a hot mess. And Jesus ain't happy. Look at verse 19. But now if, you're, but that, but now if the land of your possession is unclean, pass over into the Lord's land where the Lord tabernacle stand and take for yourselves a possession among us. Only do not rebel against the Lord or make, listen, or make us rebel by building for yourselves an altar other than the altar of the Lord. Do you see the concerns, saints? Do we have those same concerns? But our brothers and sisters on the other side of Jordan. These are legitimate concerns being addressed face to face not on social media, not through tweets, not through Facebook, not through a blog. These, the, the concerns aren't being addressed through parking lot conversations, anonymous letters, and anonymous Twitter accounts, social media accounts. This is how we behave as Christians. I ain't talking about the pagans. I'm talking about us. The world is watching us. And my concern for the church in this country is that when they watch and see how we operate in the in the public sphere with it, in the public space with one another, they say, "Why would I want to be part of that? Those people don't even like each other, and they say they're Christians." 
we cause more harm to the faith than any policy in this country. We are the way that we function in this culture. We do that. We do that. And we need to repent. And we need to repent. That's what we need to do, Saint. We need to repent. Do you have legitimate concerns about your brothers and sisters living on the other side of the Jordan? Don't, don't, don't just have assumptions that you have a covenant responsibility to them. Even if you don't know them, you do. Give them the benefit of the doubt. And if you have a legitimate concern, then, then you need to go and see what's happening. Go inquire. Go search. Go ask diligently. Don't be brothers and sisters who don't know and don't show up and don't care about what's happening on the other side of Jordan. Go to the other side. Hear what your brothers and sisters have to say. Listen to what they say. Don't just assume you're right and they're wrong. Go because you care about covenant unity and covenant faithfulness to Jesus. That's why we go. The the lines that we have drawn in the sand to divide us from one another... The only person rejoicing over there is the enemy. It's amazing that we, the enemy can use us to further his agenda. A house divided cannot stand. A covenant family divided cannot stand. Don't, let, don't do the work for the enemy yourself. Don't let your side do the work of the enemy. If he conquers and divides us, that's what he wants. I want each of you to notice that the, the Western delegation in our story, when they go to the other side of Jordan, notice what they don't do. They don't shame. They don't judge. They don't guilt their brothers. They hold them accountable by asking hard questions and giving painful examples of the past. But what does that mean? As They're speaking the truth in love. And so should y'all. But will we? No matter the results on Tuesday, are we going to speak the truth and love to one another? Are we going to have compassion for one another? Or are we just going to be like pagans in how we deal with each other? In John chapter 8, Jesus is left alone with a woman who who, who was put on public display because of her sin. She was caught in adultery. And so she was put on display by these religious leaders who wanted to stone her. And if you know the story, you know Jesus asked them, he who was without sin, be the first to cast the stone, and they all left. And so when they left, Jesus asked the woman, where are the religious leaders who brought you here? And he says, has no one condemned you? The woman says, no one, Lord. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. You see, Jesus is the only person who has the right, the power, and the authority to condemn anyone for their sins. And know what? He never did. He's the only one that has that authority. If you read through the Gospels, do you see him doing it? Now, he is upset with the Pharisees. I'll, I'll give you that. They're not his favorite people. But you ever see Jesus shaming people for that? 
He could, he has the power to condemn this woman, but he doesn't. He gives her compassion. He says, he doesn't put her sin on display. He doesn't guilt her. He doesn't shame her. He simply says, for now on, sin no more. And that doesn't mean be perfect and sinless. He's talking about no longer living in sin with an unrepentant heart. You don't have to live that way because you have freedom. Do you really believe you have freedom? Do you really believe you have freedom in Christ not to put other people's sin on public display? See, believers who live on other sides of the Jordan, we should hold one another accountable in the spirit of mutual brokenness because we all got issues. And if you don't think you have an issue, what? That's an issue. Y'all got to start putting into practice the thing I've been preaching to y'all for nine years. And the reason we are where we are right now as a church, because y'all have not. That's why we're in the season that we're in. All believers without exception are testimonies of God's grace and mercy, not instruments of his judgment. Why? Because of our faith in Christ. Your side of the Jordan, your side of the Jordan, the place where you live is a testimony of God's grace and mercy. Your side isn't an instrument of his wrath and judgment. We all need to, only, we have to take a seat. That's not our place. Because if Jesus treated you the way you treat people on the other side of Jordan, what would happen to you? If him, the Father, and the, if him and the Father and the Son and if him and the Father and the Holy Spirit had parking lot conversations about you, where would you be? Good, healthy, and wise leadership on your side of the Jordan will faithfully remind you of that truth. That you are instrument of God's grace and mercy. Testimonies of that. Not his wrath and not his judgment. Can we function that way? Imagine the witness we would have if we function that way with one another. With one another. Please join me as I close our time in prayer. Holy Spirit, I thank you that because of what Christ has done, because of his finished work, because of his blood, well, we can go to the other side of the Jordan to engage believers who think differently than us, who are going to vote differently than us on Tuesday. I pray that you will lead us to a deeper level of repentance, that you will bring resurrection and life to the parts of the body in this country that are dead. That you will crucify the things that, 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 that we give our life to that doesn't help our unity and our covenant faithfulness. And that you will give us true resurrection. And I pray for all of this in Christ's name. Amen.